This is Through My Lens with Felicia Short. She's the Assistant Athletic Director for Communications at Queens University of Charlotte. Uh, she's also a great friend. She's also my former boss. I'm Phil Constantino, Director of Broadcasting at Gardner-Webb, here to talk about Felicia, my dear friend. How are you, Fee? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, let's talk about your journey to being in an administrative position in one of the most successful and prominent Division II athletic departments. Um, you started as a student athlete at Queens. Right. What year? Um, my freshman year was 2003-2004. Basketball player? Yes. How many points? Over a thousand, correct? Yes, over a thousand. <laughs> and you graduated, so then what, 07, 08? 07. 07. And after graduation, how did you become involved with the sports information department? Um, I actually got involved my senior year as an intern for my now, our now director of athletics, Sherry Swartout. Um, I interned in the sports information department my senior year. We're required to have internships at Queens. We were then. I think we, we still require that for graduation now. Um, and something I didn't know I would be interested in and um, kind of fell in love with it. And after I finished that internship my senior year, um, an assistant position opened up, part-time assistant, which would kind of be looked at as a GA position, um, if you look at it now. And I applied for it and ended up getting it and um, started that summer and I'm still here. Never left. Never left. <laughs> um, so what was it specifically that drew you to a career, maybe not just in sports information, but also in college athletics? Um, for me, just college athletics as a whole was something that I was passionate about. Um, as a former student athlete, I didn't think about a career in it until I interned that year. Um, originally, I was planning on, you know, I was a business, business admin major. I had actually started off as an accounting major and um, had just, you know, in Charlotte with all the banks, I planned on going uptown to get a job at a bank and going on with my life. But that year when I interned um, and realized there was a whole nother career that I could be a part of, um, I kind of shifted and pivoted and changed my mind and the assistant position opened up and I applied and got it. And that was the path I decided to take and stay on at that point. Let's talk about dirty work, Fee. Uh, in Division Two, obviously I've worked with you for five years. Um, and even at a successful Division Two like Queens that puts you know, 14, 15 teams a year into the NCAAs and has national champions, conference champions, regional champions every single year, uh, it's not a very big operation. It's a very small, intimate setting. Besides traditional sports info responsibilities that I think most people watching through my lens understand go into it, take me inside the dirty work in the day-to-day. -day. What do you do at a small school that's maybe beyond the scope of traditional sports information work? Um, well, when I first started, we were doing any and everything from setting the gym up before the game started and I mean, pulling tables out, setting up the benches, setting up the bleachers, um, 
putting the side goals up for like a basketball game and things like that. Um, netting up for volleyball. We were, we were essentially your events management staff facilities, everything when I first started um, as a part-time assistant. So we would, we would be there probably four hours before a game started getting everything set up and ready to go outside of your traditional sports info side of things. And, um, and then obviously doing the in-game side of things where you're statting. Back then, social media wasn't as big as it is now, obviously. Um, but the in-game things, the, the things with the um, media post-game that we had to do. And then we had to break down everything as well after the games. So, uh, so a lot has changed since then. Um, our staff has grown, even though, you know, we're, we're not at the staff size of your traditional division one school obviously but it has grown to the point where we're not doing all of those things anymore um we can focus more on the things that we do as as communications directors for the most part and even that has grown since then with with um technology changing social media coming into play um live streaming and the way it's grown so um so while we left some things in the past, we have picked up a lot of additional jobs that, um, that we have to take care of on a day-to-day -day basis now. So how have you changed? Because traditional sports information director role was take care of schedules, rosters, game notes, stats, right? And then the social media wave comes and you've been at Queens to see, so what, 2007 you graduated. That, that's kind of like the start of social media era and then it took off, you know? Right. 2012 to 2015, somewhere in there, uh, and it's even further today. Uh, so how have, have you changed your uh, daily responsibilities, your, I guess, more your game day responsibilities to fit that? Uh, you probably have to staff a person to run Twitter during a game, which you didn't have to do in 2007. Right. There, there are positions during the game that we definitely have to um, make sure are staffed or make sure are covered. And a lot of that has to do with social media, graphics, things like that, that, you, that we didn't have to worry about back then. Um, but you have to adapt and change as the industry changes. And that's what we did. Um, it basically just changed the way that we told our story. People consume information a lot differently than they did when I first started. And so we had to change the way we put that information out there so that um, we were serving basically our customer at, the, the way they wanted to be served the information and a lot of people now they want a quick video they want to consume information on social media um so you have to change the way you do your job to cater to that in a, in a sense you know back then it was a lot of story writing um people really couldn't watch the game uh there was no twitter to follow along with the game you know we had live stats it wasn't as in depth as it is right now with the, um, the way the websites have changed, the way people can view live stats and things like that. And so now you've got to be more creative in putting that information out there for people um, to keep them wanting to come back. You know, they want quick information, you got to give it to them quick. As the head of the athletic communications department, uh, again, a very successful, uh, successful school. How have, well, first let me ask you this, how, how have you balanced dealing with Queens people, you know, many people may not know um, as Queens has kind of really come onto the scene here in the last few years and been very successful across the board. 
more than uh, 700, almost 800 student athletes at a very small school that's about you know, 16 to 1800 undergraduate, depending upon the year. So almost 15% student athletes, 32 sports. How do you balance life? You got a newborn child who's nine months old. You have another uh, young daughter. How do you balance life, Fee? Um, I think a, a huge part of that is having the right people on staff around me who can help me balance um, my work life balance and help me with that. Uh, but yeah, it's not easy. I won't say that it's easy. Um, you know, right now with the pandemic, I'm working from home because my son is not in daycare right now. Um, and so a lot of that is my husband's help. A lot of that is my staff's help and having to rely on them to cover things on campus that need to be covered um, if I can't get up there during the day. But um, I, I'm still there on game days. I'm still there for the game for the most part. Um, I have to be. That's not something you can really do from home. So, so yeah, my staff helps me a lot, though. Uh, having a good staff around you is very key to being able to do, um, to balance your life. And we all work together because we all have families. Um, we have significant others, you know, and so we have to work together and kind of balance out who's working this game, who's doing this game, so that everybody kind of gets a day off here and there you know right now it's a little bit harder to find those days with us having all of our sports in season but we still try to make it a priority because it's important to be able to spend time with your family and to be able to just have a day off and check out for your mental health I feel like is very important as well. When I worked for you Fee I used to always say the for a small school that many people outside of the area may not know about or just learning about nationally that uh, what is done in athletic communications, what's done in your department that you lead, is as vital as any toward recruiting those 800 or so student athletes. What's the one thing you feel that is done athletic communication-wise at Queens that has made Queens AFCOM but Queens Athletics as a whole stand out? What's the one thing for you? Um... For me, I think it's being able to adapt and change to what, what's going on around us. Um, the, for example, the live stream picked up pretty quickly um, and it became very important pretty quickly as a recruiting tool, I feel like. For a lot of our student athletes who come from far away, we have a lot of international student athletes here and we even have students from across the US. So, that became very important. So being able to adapt to that change and make it something that we could make us stand out with. So we put a lot into the live stream. You know, I went, we ended up hiring you because we knew how important that was gonna be at that time and where that growth was going. And so um, things like that, especially even things like social media, you know, um, social media was really big. It's very big with, with the current, group that's coming through and being recruited. So you have to be visible there. Um, if you're not visible there, it's kind of like, if they, if a lot of kids, if they can't find you on social media, they're kind of like, it's just, it's legit, unfortunately. And um, so you have to be there and you have to do a good job at being there. And so we put a lot of energy into making sure that, you know, our people were trained on social media platforms and strategies and how to utilize those the best way and so, um, so I feel like those things were done well. And then 
and then the things behind the scenes, you still have to, you have to do those well. Details are always important. You know, people pay attention to that stuff. So you never want to slack on the details of anything that you're doing, in it's my opinion. It's amazing to me, Fee, though, as you speak about it, um, and looking back on my time with you, uh, it's amazing how much is balanced by so few people in small college athletics in Division II. For example, there was no TV. The live stream, before I got there, you were setting up and running the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, no, even at times, you, you still have to do that. Uh, there's no TV network in the picture. It, it's just amazing to me how much you balance and how much every single person in your department is forced to balance every single day. Uh, and it only gets harder when you have 14 teams in the NCAA tournament every year playing longer seasons that overlap with each other. Right. Well, I mean, it all goes back to why I started doing this job and why I got into it. You know, a huge part of it was wanting to give the student athletes at Queens something that I felt like I didn't have while I was there as a student athlete. I think we had a sports information director just one year that I was there. And that was my senior year when I was interning. And um, I don't think we had a full-time sports information director on campus the whole time I was there until then. And so being able to um, enhance that student athlete experience at Queens was something that when I went into the job, that was, that was one of my main goals. You know, I spent summers digging through archives um, with my boss at the time, trying to set up just record books because we didn't have record books at that time. Who and kept so that without a sports info director? Nobody? Students. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we had work study students doing it and different people on staff and things like that. So, um, but I think at the time, a coach was doing it as part time. So when I say we didn't have one, we had one, but it wasn't your true sports information director. It was a coach doing it part time and doing the best that they could at the time with what they were given and what they knew how to do. So, but, um, but yeah, the, it goes back to that. That's what I have to go back to on those hard days when I'm working from 9 a.m. to like midnight putting out that last story. Um, you just always have to go back to the why. And it's always about the student athletes, in my opinion. Yeah. The, the other thing about that I know about you specifically and about sports information directors as a whole, especially at small college levels, when the workday ends, the work goes home with you. You know, a lot of other positions, even in college athletics, I think the workday ends and it doesn't necessarily go home. The work goes home with you. Uh, so like basketball is the big sport at Queens, right? After a basketball uh, game, you still have to you know, sit down and write the story. You have to worry about social media. You have to worry about stats and highlights and all these other things. You know, so how long might you be sitting down in the office before you leave after a game or uh, at home after you get home right after the game and still sitting there, you know, contacting the media, et cetera. Well, for me, I'm fortunate enough to spread that stuff out with, with my staff. So um, for me, it's a lot of times it would be the story post game. And then my director of broadcasting handles the highlights and things like that. And, um, and posting stats would be who's ever in charge of that team and things like that. Um, so for the most part, we've been able to spread that work out so it's not such a long, busy day for one person. But there are certainly offices out there who don't have that privilege. And so there's, there's that one person sitting there for a few hours post-game 
doing your highlights, posting your story, talking to the media, doing interviews and things like that. So, I mean, it just, it honestly just depends on the office and who's, who's on staff, how that, how that works in a post-game situation. When you first started after your time as a student athlete and you became an employee in 2007, did you ever think that uh, 14 years later, you'd still be at Queens? Um, you know, it, the way I work, worked my way up, probably originally no. But, you know, as I stayed on and kind of started falling more in love with, the, with college athletics and it being my career, I would say, uh, yeah, there's, there's a few people on our staff I feel like are Queens lifers and people keep asking me if I'm, I'm that person. Am I a Queens lifer? I guess at this point I am. Um, <laughs> but, you know, as the opportunities kept opening up while, you know, I went from part-time assistant and then I went to a full-time assistant and then my boss at the time left and I was in a position to apply because of everything she had taught me. And I was in a position to apply for that position. I ended up getting it and then just kept getting promoted over the years. And um, a lot of my hard work, I feel like, paid off in the long run um, due to a lot of the hard work I put in in the beginning and throughout. And so while I never thought I would still be in this position, I'm definitely happy that I am. How'd you even find out about Queens? Because well, I've worked with you and I know there, we get a lot of emails in my time there that were intended for Queens in New York. And a lot of people, again, are just finding out over the last few years about Queens and Charlotte because of dominant success athletically. So how did you, back in 2003, find out about Queens? Well, see, that's, a, that's another interesting story because I already knew about Queens from the early 90s because my sister, who's 10 years older than me, play basketball at Queens as well. And so um, funny thing is my sister was the former AD's first recruit. Okay. And I ended up being her last recruit. So when I came in, it was um, Jeannie King's last year as a head coach. And she just went on to just be the AD after I got there. But uh, so I always knew about Queens. I had already, I had been on campus through the nineties. I had actually spent the night in one of the dorms, dorm rooms with my sister when I was younger. Um, I knew Charlotte, I knew Queens, I loved Queens. I had been to games in the oven. Uh, so it wasn't, it wasn't a new school to me when I decided to start looking for a school to attend. And you grew up in Greensboro, say 90 minutes away, not too far. Right, Page okay. High School. Nice. Have to plug that. <laughs> Last question for you, Faye. Something that you and I, I don't think we've ever discussed before, and, and maybe it's a good thing that, that we have progressed as people past that point. Um, but this Through My Lens series and, and why we're even having this discussion is in part because of your successes uh, as a black woman to be in an administrative position at a prominent collegiate athletic department. Do you ever think about that and put it in perspective and what does it mean to you that you've been able to accomplish so much um, maybe given uh, some of the other obstacles that that have been been in your way and, and those before you um I think when I first started I didn't really think too much about it honestly didn't think too much about it till probably about halfway through my career and I started looking around and noticing that there weren't a lot of people that looked like me in the room a lot of times, um, 
depending on where I was or what I was doing. But I also felt like that wasn't something I was necessarily new to. Um, even growing up, I there, you know, in the classes I took and the things that I did, a lot of times there weren't a lot of people that looked like me in the room. So I was kind of used to it. Um, not saying that it's okay that it was like that, but it was something that wasn't not normal for me. Um, but I do, I did start looking at it and wanting to figure out how to get more people that did look like me in the room. And so a lot of, a lot of times when I, for example, am looking for GAs and things like that, you know, even with my staff, I try to be as intentional as I possibly can about having a diverse staff in um, our communications office whether that's my assistants, my full-time assistants, or GAs, or interns, or student workers. Um, I, try, I try to make it a diverse group. I think it, benefit, it benefits Queens. I think it benefits our student athletes to have a diverse group looking at how they're telling their stories and things like that. Um, I think there's no way to lose when you have a diverse group telling the story of the student athletes. You know, we have diverse student athletes, so there should be a diverse group of people telling their stories, in my opinion. Fee, this has been a pleasure. Um, thank you for doing this for a few minutes. And uh, it was always a joy working with you, and I wish you all the best. Thanks, Phil.